Last week I said I might not be able to keep to my weekly podcast schedule because I'm finishing my book and so might need a few weeks off to get it done. But here I am, I'm back already. I'm back because I interviewed Rita May on Friday. Rita who played Mrs Kemp, Jimmy's mum, in Threads. And I just had to share some of her conversation with you. She is an absolutely lovely woman, very cheerful, very funny. And so, with her permission, I've packaged some of the chat up into a short podcast episode for you. For those who don't know Threads, Rita plays Mrs Kemp, who is a typical working class wife and mother. In all her scenes, at least those before the bomb drops, when there is still some kind of normal life, she is doing something very domestic. She's in the kitchen or at the dinner table or at the supermarket, uh, maybe getting a nice glass of milk for our Alison while she does her homework, or perhaps giving her youngest son, Michael, into trouble for being nosy about why Jimmy has to very quickly get married to Ruth. I suppose you've talked about an abortion. Of course we have, but neither of us want that. When I get married and have a baby... Mum, what's that mean? Abortion? Michael! Never mind what it means. You'll get on with your game. It's nothing to do with you. So Mrs Kemp is a busy, slightly harassed, very loving working mum. And we get the impression that she thinks the preparation for nuclear war is just a bloody nuisance. Especially when Mr Kemp starts taking the doors off the hinges. Her character is so memorable because she goes instantly from being a mum who is busy in the house in her blue nylon overall and so portraying an image of ordinary, cosy life, she goes instantly from that into, in a flash, literally in a flash, a woman on fire in scenes from from hell, of course. And she quite quickly dies behind her makeshift shelter. Mercifully, she dies as she has been hideously burned and... Her three children have been either crushed or simply vanished in the Holocaust. Mrs Kemp is also particularly important to the film as she delivers one of the iconic images from Threads. That famous scene where the bomb drops on Sheffield, uh, targeted on the Tinsley Viaduct, I believe, and the action freezes for a moment on her scream 
as the heat flash engulfs her. The screen goes black and white like a negative and her last words before this flash hits her are Michael, Michael, as she's calling out for her youngest son. And that freeze on her scream, as everything is bleached white, is one of the film's most memorable, frightening images. I think I spoke about that with the director, Mick Jackson, a couple of weeks ago, about the various distressing images in the film, which you might only see for a second, just have a glance at them, but which absolutely sear themselves onto the memory. I'm thinking, of course, of the, the traffic warden, uh, the boy with his bike who's stuck in a tree, of the melting milk bottles, uh, the burning E.T. doll, the hand emerging from the rubble with its fingertips aflame. And to this list of visual horrors, we can add Mrs. Kemp as she cries out for Michael in the split second before the bomb drops when the flash and the fire engulf her. Michael! So I started by asking Rita about her terrible burn makeup. I'd asked my Twitter and Facebook followers if they had any questions for her, and Martin, who is one of my patrons, immediately asked about the makeup, which uh, covers one side of her face and her skull following the terrible burns when the bomb drops. So here is Rita to talk about how they did that horrible makeup. And remember, of course, as Mick Jackson told us in her interview a few weeks ago. Threads was done on a very low budget. They didn't have all the fancy props and gear and makeup and special effects that a Hollywood studio might have had. This was real creativity. So here is Rita, who joined me on the phone from Sheffield. Yep, Rita is born and bred in Sheffield. And she told us all about it. That makeup used to take three hours in the morning. It was all edible. It was bran flakes, gelatine, uh, lots of cereal, breakfast cereal. <laughs> yes, it was all edible. And I remember when we were filming, we used to have the bus, you know, where we used to go around the hills. And they were doing Christmas dinner this day. And I could I could only drink through a straw. I used to have to have soup. So everybody's <laughs> eating the Christmas dinner. And there I am with a... a, a because the straw would just go in the side of my mouth. If it hadn't been for something uh, in India that were on telly around the same time, it would have won Best Makeup, but in actual fact, I, I think it should have done. I also asked Rita what it was like on the set. When the bomb drops, the Kemp house is almost totally destroyed and surrounded outside by a sea of flame and black smoke and jagged, dangerous rubble. Now, the fire, smoke and rubble were real. These scenes were filmed on a Sheffield housing estate, which was being demolished. And Mick Jackson and his crew ran free in the rubble and chaos, knocking stuff down, setting stuff on fire, tipping things over, piling chaos onto chaos. And into the midst of this, Rita and her on-screen husband, David Brierley, sadly no longer with us, had to stumble and struggle. You'll remember that Mrs. Kemp's last words before the bomb drops were, Michael! 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 
That's because in the midst of their panic as the siren blares and they try to quickly in those last few minutes throw their inner refuge together, she heard his sad, frightened little cries coming from the aviary in the garden where he was hiding. So they go out into the fire to try and find him. You know, of course, that Michael was gone. All they find are his poor little trainers sticking out from a pile of rubble. Here's a clip from that moment as they scramble through the rubble. Mr Kemp uh, very gallantly tries to say to Mrs Kemp, no, no, stay here, stay in the shelter. You know, she's hideously burned and injured by this point. Stay here, or sorry, in the, in the Yorkshire uh, dialect, you stop here, you stop here, I'll go out. But no, Mrs Kemp insists on dragging herself out to look for poor Michael. So here's a clip, and then we'll let Rita tell us what it was like to work amidst all that dirty, filthy smoke, flame and rubble. You stop here and I'll go and look for him. No, you you stop here, love. I'll only be out a few minutes. No, Rita, no. Stop here, Mom. Please, I'll go and look for him. No, I've got to come. No. Oh, come on. Oh, my God. Michael! Michael! Jackson told us in our interview a few weeks ago that after Threads went out on BBC Two, he didn't get any phone calls. It's customary to receive nice congratulatory phone calls from friends and colleagues in the industry, but uh, his phone did not ring. There was just a stunned silence. 
across most of Britain, I suppose. Rita remembers a similar thing after the first screening of Threads in the City. It was held at the old Fiesta nightclub in Sheffield and the press were invited. And after the credits rolled, silence in that huge big nightclub. Silence. Here is Rita again. Yeah, I mean, while we was on set, it was a good atmosphere. But to be honest, in that time, early 80s, all that time, was a very depressing time because the, the, the reason they were making these films was because there was, we did feel threatened. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. We were threatened. Uh, I mean, I'd had, I've got two sons. I mean, my oldest is 60 now, but I got dreams of, of uh, especially when I did this threads uh, thing, I was having these dreams uh, about the, the, seeing the cloud in the distance and running out with blankets and putting my sons under blankets. Yeah. You know, so it, it were affecting, it was affecting us all mentally, I'm sure it was. I mean, when you're working on something like that day in, day out, and you're learning lines, you know, then, yeah, it, it was scary. Mm-hmm. But, it, but it was, the time was scary. Yeah, yeah. The time, I mean, you, you saw these films on on BBC. So we were all thinking, God, there could be a nuclear war. Mm-hmm. We were all scared. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but... Um, I remember we had a, a showing, because um, it was filming in Sheffield, obviously. We had a showing when it was finished, and it was in a big nightclub uh, called the Fiesta. Nightclubs were big then, they weren't like they are now. Mm-hmm. Not that I go to them. <laughs> and uh, we, uh, the, the place was full. They've got American uh, uh, television companies there. In fact, one of them asked me if I'd given an interview, and I said, oh, no, I've got to go home and cook my Yorkshire puddings for my sons. Which I did. Um, but uh, there were loads of people there, press and everybody. And uh, when the film finished, total silence. And that's not normal. Normally, you get, you get people uh, chatting. Oh, it were good, weren't it? You know, what did you think of that bit? Total silence. Mm-hmm. And I actually stood up and I walked back at the room and there were all these pillars. And I stood behind this pillar and I sobbed. Mm-hmm. I sobbed. And people were crying while when we watched it, you know. It was, yeah, I mean, I've not watched it for a long time. In fact, I think I loaned the DVD to somebody and never got it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, yeah. It was scary, and it was because of the time. I hope you enjoyed hearing from Rita May. It was a real pleasure to speak to her, and I felt very privileged to hear her memories of threads. And it probably makes a nice change for you, the listener, to hear a a smiling, happy voice on the podcast for once. Now, um, as I said last week, the episodes between now and July, when I finish my book, Touchwood, it might be a bit irregular because I'm I'm so busy, of course, in this final stretch. But um, I read you an extract last week from my book, the first two pages of the civil defence chapter, and uh, I was a bit scared of doing that, of course, but people seem to like it, thank God. Um, and, of course, I've now got this interview with Rita May to give you. So if I haven't had the time to do another episode by next week and another episode from scratch with, with research, etc., I will read you another extract from the book. 
I will probably read you an extract from my chapter on the Royal Observer Corps. Um, that was the first chapter I ever wrote, and it's the chapter that got me my book deal. When you're pitching um, a non-fiction book to a publisher, you don't give them the finished article. I believe you do that with a novel, or at least you should have written most of it. But with non-fiction, you, do, you tend to do a sample chapter and, you know, an introduction and an outline of what you intend to do, the rest of it, blah, blah, blah. So the chapter which I wrote and submitted was my Royal Observer Corps chapter, so I've always got a nice soft spot for that chapter. Whenever I have a bit of a wobble in my confidence, I look back to the Royal Observer Corps chapter and say, well, I can do this, because I already won the book deal with this chapter. If I can just create a few more chapters of the same quality, then done. So I might read you a bit from the Royal Observer Corps chapter. It's a, it's a good one, if I may say so. I interviewed a lot of the Royal Observer Corps, or the ex-members of the Royal Observer Corps, and they were all very, very colourful characters, it seems. And I don't believe we've ever discussed the Royal Observer Corps on this podcast. So yes, let's do that next week. I will read you an extract from the chapter which won me the, won me the book deal. Now I just need to write a ton of other chapters, which are equally good. And let me also thank my patrons. I actually earned three new patrons last week. I thought, I worried that some people might leave, might cancel, because I'd said we might be a bit more irregular for the next couple of weeks. But no, everyone's stuck with me. Thank you. Thank you. I genuinely do mean that. And three new people signed up to my Patreon. Uh, so thank you and welcome to Mary, Liz and Matthew. And let me also thank my some of my existing patrons. Thank you to Scott A. Joseph, MD. Saul Sheldon, Vicky Hamlin and Samuel Brown. If you want to join my Patreon, please take a look at patreon.com forward slash Atomic Hobo. And you can find me on Twitter at Julie A. McDowell or on my Facebook page, Nuclear Britain or my website, juliemcdowell.com. So thank you everyone for listening. Thank you to Rita May for speaking to me and sharing your memories of threads. And I will be back next Monday, probably to give you a little extract from the Royal Observer Corps chapter. (laughs) 